Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media. And welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And not in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein, principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week, as I am flying solo today. Fred is enjoying time with his family on this pre-Thanksgiving holiday. Now, for those of you not familiar with Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president at Accountable Health LLC, which is a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and the advisory board of Care Innovations Validation Institute. He is the past chair and former board member of the Population Health Alliance, also known as PHA. Fred is uh, known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I publish and principally author ACOWatch.com, healthinnovationmedia.com, and precisionmedicine.center. If you're in the market for digital content development, curation, and engagement for your hospital, health system, or physician venture, do ping me on Twitter via at2healthguru or Greg with two Gs at healthinnovationmedia.com. And now for today's special guest, which for me is a real tweet, a treat, a tweet, which is part of the narrative, Nick Atkins, or at Nick is in PDX on Twitter. And before I provide my first contact in history with Nick, let me offer an intro via Sean Sutner over at Search Health IT which was recorded at the American Telemedicine Association annual meeting in Minneapolis uh, earlier this year. Quote, and I quote here, in the often understated world of digital health, you can't miss Nick Atkins or his influence. Atkins etches an indelible image at health IT conferences and on Twitter where his followers number more than 22,000. He moves easily among the worlds of business healthcare and experimental lifestyles, such as at Burn the Burning Man Festival. Atkins may be the only person in US healthcare to exclusively wear a kilt, whether he's at a board meeting or leading a panel discussion. And that's not all. He accessorizes his standard business attire with jangly bracelets and hoop earrings, elaborate tattoos, a pork pie hat, and a skull emblazoned t-shirt. And then there's his footwear, calf-high pink socks with black mustaches on them. He presents these fashion objects as gifts to people he does business with and has turned them into a social media calling card under the Twitter hashtag, hash pink socks, signifying a sort of shared community of creative-minded health IT thinkers. Quote, I really see my role as an evangelist trying to get the word out about digital health. That's Nick Adkins. So, Nick, welcome to the broadcast. Hey, brother. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. Glad you could make it. So let's start here, Nick. Let's talk a little bit about you. You're an MBA, healthcare guy, dyed-in-the-wool, traditional sort of Nashville-based entrepreneur focused in healthcare. Uh, you don't quite look at that today. Talk a little bit about your transition <laughs> and why. Yeah, I tell you, I, uh, I was born and raised in Memphis and went to undergrad down in, at Southern Miss. And then I went to business school up in Nashville at uh, 
at Belmont Massey School. And my first my first job out of out of business school as a fresh MBA was working at the Vanderbilt Health Plans back in the day. You know, and that's when HMOs were just rolling out and, and uh, they just come down from Boston. And it was a good movement right at the time. And so we ran four HMOs and a PPO out of the Vanderbilt Health Plans. I was a student tie guy back then. Uh, and then just did a couple of, uh, you know, left there and got involved in, in a Massey Birch startup, which was nice. And, you know, a few other things and fast forward till you know, 2010 and, and I was a CEO of a, a healthcare company in Nashville. And I went to this thing called Burning Man for the first time, right? You know, my first time was in 2010. We're back in Nashville. We're trying to decide what we wanted to do with, with the company, whether we we're going to take on some more, some more debt, raise some more capital, sell it, do a joint venture with another company. We had several options of what we're trying to explore. And, you know, I didn't really know what we're going to do. I said, but you know, I'm going to go to this thing in the desert and come back with an answer. And you know, I went to Burning Man and I, I came back and my answer was, you know, sell the company. I'm moving to Portland. <laughs> so I live in Portland, Oregon now. And uh, I moved out here in April of, of 12. And, uh, you know, I, I stopped wearing suit and ties when I got back from Burning Man in 2010. And uh, when I moved here in April of 12, when I moved to Portland in June of 12, so shortly after I arrived here, I met this guy, Burner, you know, goes to Burning Man. This guy owns a kilt company, makes kilts here. He said, have you ever tried to wear, you know, wearing a kilt? I said, no. So you want to try one in a good Burner fashion? I said, yes, because... Yes is where the fun is. Yes is where the adventure is. You know, if you say no to something, it's just the story kind of ends there, doesn't it? So uh, I said yes to wearing a kilt. That was uh, June of 12. That's the last time I wore pants. So I only wear kilts and I only wear their brand. <laughs> when you wear, uh, you, know, you know, Greg, you know me. Uh, when you wear a kilt, you have to wear fun socks because everybody sees your socks. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, the, it's the start of, how I felt wearing fun, fun pink socks. So from Nashville to Portlandia, uh, so then, so then we first crossed paths uh, at Health 2.0 in Santa Clara. But the, yeah. the the introduction to to the pink socks thing was actually at uh, Hims 2015 in uh, March 2015, and uh, you were accompanying uh, with your colleague Andrew and your backpack yeah. and that furry little animal yeah. in it, plus, uh, you know, a boatload of pink socks. Uh, what was going on there? Yeah, so Andrew Richards, who's a co-founder and CTO of a company, you know, uh, found, we'd gone to Hims that year and we stuffed a bunch of pink socks. You know, before I, Andrew and I had been traveling a lot of, the, you know, conferences and stuff and, Everywhere I went, people were always commenting on my socks. You know, sometimes I'd wear tacos, you know, socks with tacos or T-Rex or Pugs or Corgis or, you know, these pink ones, the mustaches. And, uh, you know, I kind of said, Andrew said, hey, you know, people are always coming up and noticing my socks. What do you say we, you know, the crowd favorite seems to be these pink ones. I think I'm going to just get a bunch of those and we'll stuff them in our backpack and, and, and just give them away. And, you know, every time somebody comes up and talks to us and, and uh, that's what we did that year at Hems. And as soon as we got there, one of the first people we ran into was Eric Topol. And 
you know, he's nice enough to get a picture with us and say some nice things on Twitter and we retweeted that and just kind of took off and, you know, Andrew and I were walking around carrying a little stuffed Corgi dog. It was our, our data dog, our mascot from the company. Uh, so we probably looked like a couple of Cracker Jacks in there, but, um, you know, we're just having fun and it, uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, great. If I remember correctly, uh, you know, when that thing was over, when Hims was over, it was in, it was in Chicago, right? We, we caught, caught a cab or a ride to the airport and stopped off at some pizza place there in Chicago. And, and, uh, <laughs> that's really when you, you, <laughs> you, you know, you brought the tablets down off the mountain for me and schooled me on how to, how to use Twitter. So, I, you know, I, I always try to hat tip, you know, people say, Oh, Nick, you know, you got this really great thing going on Twitter. And I said, well, everything I learned about Twitter, I learned from Greg master. So, and, and I attribute it to that, uh, that meeting we had and eating lunch at that pizza place in Chicago. So big, big thanks to all the help you've been. I remember it well, and I feel <laughs> you. Thank you, brother. So, uh, the next opportunity there, um, was um, from HIMS, then the American Telemedicine Association. And judging from the reaction from most of the people who graciously accepted the pink socks and was willing to tweet a picture and tag hash pink socks, um, that sort of um, leveraged up somewhat at the American Telemedicine Association. And obviously that's something that's of uh, was, was and remains of interest to you because of your advocacy and support for telemedicine, telehealth and such. So basically talk a little bit about um, what the mission was in Los Angeles at ATA 2015 and how that sort of leveraged up the whole visibility of pink socks. Yeah, you know, we, we took some four pink socks to that and gave away. <laughs> it seems like I was hanging out with you a lot and we were doing some really cool interviews together with uh, Health Innovation Media and you know, from, from, uh, you know, Reed and Tuxin to, uh, I don't remember all the people we, we met that, that year, but, uh, you know, it just kept on going and, and it kept being fun. And, and, you know, I had a conversation with, I think you after that, or after, you know, a couple more conferences, and a couple other people. And I said, you know, okay, the pink sock thing is fun, but let's, you know, let's stop. You know, it's it just, you know, you know, kind of said, well, there's, there's, there's young Elvis and then there's old fat Elvis. And I'd really like for the pink socks to die as young Elvis and not go out as you know, fat Elvis. And so it was some kind of, you know, like I let us, you know, let it go. And then this odd thing started happening where uh, people and groups were buying these socks and giving them away at other events and conferences. And I didn't have any connection to, to this at all, you know, and, I think, you know, I, you're one of the first phone calls I made back and said, Hey, did you see that? And I think there's something here on this pink sock deal that it's kind of starting to take off on its own and grow organically. Um, and it's, you know, that's really what's happened. I mean, it's a kind of a movement, you know, there's thousands of people that have pink socks all around the world at this point. Um, you know, people have taken them and assigned different meanings and uh, supporting different groups and, you know, which is awesome. And it's, it's fun to be a part of that to see, you know, I get up every morning, I search the hashtag pink socks just to see, see what's happening in the world and, 
you know, trying to help celebrate together with, with people's moments and joy and, and what they're doing. So it's, it's, I'm just grateful to the universe to, to be part of it. That's awesome. And of course we could track forward through other venues and such, but, uh, uh, I, I can't help but say that uh, in Santa Clara, you were kind of um, not in front of the camera. You were kind of more of a backup guy. You were you were uh, basically putting the spotlight uh, on your then partner. Uh, uh, but now all of a sudden, Nick, you you've sort of uh, stepped up. You you've been doing speaking. You're going to conferences uh, internationally around the world here and. Uh, and I know everyone mostly associates you with you. Uh, your name is telehealth, telemedicine, digital health. Talk a little bit about that interest of yours, your passion there, and how you see essentially hashtag pink socks, hashtag GSD, which uh, in the, uh, in the uh, uh, I guess, PG version is getting stuff done. Let's talk a little bit about that and uh, uh, Give us some of your thoughts on telehealth and, and how this energy around innovation and having fun and gifting and drawing community get together moves the needle. Yeah, I will. You know, and we, I'm going to back up and just clarify, you know, for people that really don't know me in real life or, you know, on the Twitter sphere, you know, I, I dress like this every day. It's not like I go rolling up in a conference and I'm, I'm putting on a costume. I mean, I made <laughs> I made a conscious effort when I got involved and, and stepped back into business. I, I told my business partners here, I said, hey, you know, I moved to Portland to not be a suit and tie guy. I moved here to to just do what I wanted to do and you know, ended up wearing a kilt. I said, I'm, I'm not going back to the, to the suit and tie guy. So, you know, what you see at a conference is me. That's how I'm every day. I mean, I'm not changing any clothes to... <laughs> to, to come to the conference so it's uh you know if you were here in portland you'd see me riding around on my pink furry bike that i call the pink cadillac or you'd see me driving around in a 73 f100 pickup that's uh called el truco sancho that has love more fear less and big pink letters all around the side and and the tailgate and pink unicorns on the door so i'm i'm just trying to live my life as as you know, 365 days of burning man, it's, you know, just trying to love people and see the best in people and hug as many strangers as possible every day. And, uh, so yeah, but my, my passion for, for digital health and, and, and telehealth specifically, um, you know, really revolves around, uh, the fact that I live in, in Portland, Oregon, my mother, 75 years old, still in good health, thankfully lives in a small town back in Alabama. And a few years ago, she, she fell and, and broke her knee and her shoulder and was, had to have some surgeries. And wow, you know, trying to, uh, you know, before I could get on the plane to, to fly back there, you know, just trying to talk to the doctors and, you know, get some information, even though I had, you know, preempted all of that by having durable power attorney and all of this stuff in place, you know, paper copies in her chart at her doctor's office back in Alabama, just in case something like this would turn up. You know, I knew, I, I knew that we'd need to have, uh, you know, all those boxes checked. So you know, we, the providers would be able to talk to me because of HIPAA. But even with all that, it was, it was problematic. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, I, I thought being the good 
the good son, the smart healthcare executive, you know, that that I was going to run into these communication problems with my mom's caregivers. And and guess what? You know, you, you and I know uh, the, the frustrations in healthcare are real. And so that really just kind of kind of made me double down on my efforts on, you know, there's got to be an easier way for us to all be on the same page, for us to stay connected, uh, especially when I, you know, after I stayed out there for three or four weeks, whether, especially when I came back to, to Portland, you know, said, hey, you know, we, we've got to have a way that we can all communicate. By now she's, you know, seeing three different doctors, right? Um, trying to coordinate that care and all be, you know, have our own little personal interoperability moment. Uh, you know, telemedicine just seems like the no brainer and uh, specifically asynchronous telemedicine, because, you know, if I'm trying to talk to my mom and her orthopedic surgeon and her internist, you know, and maybe somebody else, it, we're not all going to get on a call at the same time. I mean, everybody's busy. Everybody's got their own calendars, their own schedules, or seeing patients or et cetera. What if we could come up with a HIPAA compliant, very secure tech stack that would allow for asynchronous, you know, video so that we could do these, you know, I could record something and then share it and, and, and vice versa, but it wouldn't go beyond whoever we wanted to share it with. So, you know, they couldn't take that link and put it on YouTube or Vimeo or Facebook. It just wouldn't play for anyone other than who's been, defined for. So that's, that got me excited to, to work with some guys and creating this, this open API called MedVideo, medvid.io, that any, any company or, you know, app or software that wanted to have asynchronous video in their flow or in their stack could just plug in the API and do it. So that's, that's really what, you know, it was my own personal experience with trying to help my mom and, and communicate with her and her doctors that, uh, that really, you know, lit the, lit the fire for me. So, so, so that's great. Cause I love dipping into what, what's on the inside of Nick Atkins versus what some may attribute just superficially to what they see. So that's an awesome story. Always skin in the game drives passion. So let me ask yeah. you this uh, telemedicine, telehealth been on slow burn for a number of years, uh, actually a couple decades. And right. uh, we've talked about this over the last two years that, uh, you know, now is our time. The time is now kind of thesis. Um, what do you think is really in front of us in terms of making this happen? Because perhaps the one company, Teladoc, that's publicly reporting, still reporting operating losses, I might add, who theoretically should be. Uh, the tip of the spear here in terms of making this happen. Why do you think this just isn't, you know, necessarily mainstream from a profitability standpoint? Because obviously no margin, no mission. Right. Yeah. So I think that's going to change. Right. And I think it is changing. I mean, that's just, I mean, Teladox, you know, is, is one of the first names that comes to mind, but you know, the other good players, American Well, MD Live, Cloud Break Health, which is, you know, Care Connection and Language Access Network, companies like that. I mean, not to mention the consumer apps like Doctor on Demand or SnapMD or, you know, just pick, pick one. Uh, the, the, the main hurdle historically has been reimbursement, 
right? So there hasn't been reimbursement parity for for docs to use telemedicine. So they've been a pushback. They said, well, if I'm not going to get paid, I'm not going to do it. Well, that's changing, right? So what, I don't know, as of today, 28, 29 states have reimbursement parity for, for commercial pay. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid pays, every state pays. Uh, some of the great advocates out there that have been doing lobby like Nathaniel Lackman at Foley in Florida um, that have been really, you know, continue to be influential in, in, in changing the, the reimbursement legislature state by state. Uh, so I think that now that they're actually getting paid for it, that, that hurdle went away. And then the next thing, well, is it secure? Is it safe? Okay. Yes. And now just the, the overall environment that, that we as people live in, I mean, we live in a video world, right? I mean, it's just <laughs> the amount of video that that's online, that that's, that's how we, you know, that's how we live. And so it's not the, the cultural piece is is now becoming not a not a factor it's becoming de facto that, that we see and share video um so i think the time is right you know and, and technology is kind of caught up with the concept we all have phones in our pocket that are awesome cameras <laughs> uh, nobody has to go out and you know buy a lot of expensive equipment or invest in you know serious infrastructure to do this um, you know, so it's just, uh, I think the timing's right. And, and, and we look at, you know, if we, like you said, you know, it's been a, you know, it's, it's not an overnight success until telemedicine has been happening for a long time. And the majority of it is just people aren't even aware of what's available today. I mean, if we, I mean, if you look at, I mean, like Banner in Arizona, they've had a program for the last three or four years now with Phillips with some seniors and a senior community, what's all around Gerotech and aging in place. And they've been using telemedicine and digital health, you know, so that couples can stay at home and, and be monitored by their caregivers and not have to always go into the doctor's office. I mean, and, and that program, like I say, is three or four years old. Uh, what was it in October of this year? Kaiser released an article saying that, you know, Last year, there were 110 million patient encounters in the Kaiser system. And just to clarify, you know, you, Greg, I mean, when, when a lot of times people out there, you know, they, they hear the word Kaiser and they say, well, that's only something that's in California. No, it's not. I mean, Kaiser has a, has a, has a huge footprint. I mean, they're in the East Coast, they're in Georgia, they're in California, Oregon, Washington. So, you know, they had 110 million patient encounters last year and they reported that 52% of those were done virtually 52%. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's already happening. I mean, United healthcare in California, they offer their members, you know, here's three consumer apps that you can use and, and we pay for it. So you decide, you know, let's say you live in LA, do you, you, know, you don't feel well, do you want to get in traffic, drive to the doctor's office for an hour and a half, sit in the, waiting room for another hour, see the doctor for two minutes or see the top of their head or the back of their head while they type into the HR, go sit in traffic again, or would you rather just stay home, stay in your jammy pants, see the doctor on, on video and you know, it's covered. I mean, and, and, and I say, look, it's, it's free will, man. You know, if you, if, if you're the person that wants to go sit in the traffic and do all that, have at it. But if you wanted to stay, say, you know, I think staying home in my jammy pants and seeing the doctor on a video sounds really good. 
do that. And, and, and you know, my big thing is you know, a lot of people just aren't aware that it's even an option yet, yet. And so once that tips, which I think we're right on the, on the break point of, of that wave, um, telemedicine is just going to, it's just going to be the way it goes, man. I mean, it's, you know, we, there's a, there's a provider shortage, you know, you've got population health management. I mean, how do you scale care? Use technology. You, you use it. That's what it's there for. And, you know, if I'm a provider, I get to do what I really, you know, hopefully got into medicine for is to, is to heal, you know, is to be part of a patient's life to, to help them get better. Well, I'm limited by time. Uh, you know, how many people I can see in an hour using technology. If I can increase my throughput, if I can help more people in that hour, if I can be more efficient, wow, you know, that's what I want to do. And, you know, telemedicine and, you know, mobile apps and, you know, it's just going to be the way that it's, that it's done. And it is the way that it's being done. That's what we have to, you know, we have to get ourselves away from this mantra of it's coming, it's coming, it's coming to it's here, it's here, it's here. So if, if, if this is embodied in this um, love more, fear less mantra, uh, what's your sense of, I can't resist, but given the election results, I, I, you know, the president elect is probably not someone who would subscribe to that vision, although there's a pivot multiple times a day. Um, do you think this can be seeded in a culture that seems to be addicted to the other side of that equation? Yeah, you know, I tell you, I was um, a little shocked by the election results and I think a lot of people are, but, you know, I'm going to quote my good friend, Halcyon, John Stinn. He's at Halcyon on Twitter. And he's also the head of a, a group called Hug Nation. Um, you know, the, the love more, fear less, that mantra, I really, you know, I, I got that from, from Halcyon. And he has a couple of mantras <laughs> I use daily. Love more, fear less is one. The other one is, the world would rather hug you than hurt you. The world that's would good. rather hug you than hurt you. Right. Like but that. that's not what we see on TV. That's not what we read in the media. That's not, in fact, I think if anything's this election, you can't really be certain of what you're seeing or reading. Right. Because there's so much misinformation going out, but you know, we really have to believe that the world is full of good because it is. Yeah, there's bad things happening. I mean, there were bad things happening this time a year ago. There were bad things happening 10 years ago. There were bad things 100 years ago, et cetera. I mean, the, you know, good and bad has always existed. You know, so we have to choose what we want to focus on. And, you know, Halcyon has another great story that I, I like to retell. And, and it's this, you know, it's every moment of our, our life and every day, I mean, in every single moment, we have an ice cream cone in one hand and in our foot down there, we're standing in a pile of dog crap. So foot in dog crap, <laughs> ice cream cone in hand. And I've got a choice to make on which one I'm going to focus on. Is it crap or cone? And a lot of people, they say, oh man, look at this dog crap. Come here, smell my crap. Look at this. This is worse than your crap. All they lose you know, focus on is that crap. They don't focus on the cone. The cone is that, you know, people are in love, that people are having babies, that 
We live in houses that we can go stand in a room where water comes out of the wall and we get clean. You know, we have food. I mean, there's so many blessings to life. There's so much cone, you know, and those things coexist. Crap and the cone, they're always there. You know, the crap's never going away and the cone's never going away. So you have to decide in each moment, crap or cone. And I think, you know, we're all gonna have to start focusing on the cone. Wow, there you have it. Love it. So briefly, Nick, because we're at the bottom half of the hour here, what's next? What's next for Nick Atkins? Oh man, I'm gonna make an apple crumb pie tomorrow and have a wonderful Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner with some friends. Oh. And and I th thank technology for helping me make that apple crumb pie because I I needed the recipe and my mom uh, texted it to me from her iPhone. So Way to go, 75-year-old mom, and I'm texting me the ingredients and how to make your apple crumb pie. There you have it. Well, Nick, I want to thank you for joining me today on this pre-Thanksgiving holiday broadcast. And sentiment is totally appropriate. So I do want to thank my guest, Nick Atkins, for his time and generous insights today. I do follow Nick at on Twitter at, at Nick is in PDX and on the web at www.pinksocks.life. So until we meet again, I'm Pop Health Me, Fred Goldstein. This is Greg Masters saying bye now. <laughs>